BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, Fanatics, we are back with a very special episode, a mini-sode, if you will, with David Stassen. You'll remember David from our last episode. Claire, why don't you remind them what we talked about in the last episode? Hi, Jake, first of all. And I love mini-sodes because I like everything mini. And this is a mm-hmm. mini snippet of Fanatics. Mini. So yes, David came on last week. You can dial up that episode after you listen to this. And he talked about his fanaticism for ice cream and specifically yes. McConnell's ice cream. It is a delicious yes. episode. But today we're here to talk about the movie Maximum Truth, which Jake and I had a chance to watch. We did. And before we even get into the movie, uh, I was so excited to see this, Claire, because one, I love Ike Barinholtz, uh, but David is his writing partner and they wrote this movie together. So it was so cool for me to get to go see this, not only because I love Ike and we just spoke to David, but because... It looked awesome after we saw the trailer, you know? Yeah, it did. It's super funny, and it was super... (laughs) And it turned out to be a very funny funny movie. It's done in the style of Christopher Guest, mockumentary, Waiting for Guffman, Best of Show, you know, these type of movies. It's a mockumentary, yeah, exactly. And I actually had the feeling, one of my favorite comedies, which is not a mockumentary, but it's a great movie, is Anchorman. And this movie, I feel, is not as funny on the first time as it is the second, the third, the fourth. And I have a feeling, although I was laughing out loud the whole time with Maximum Truth, that the more you watch it, the more of like the inside jokes are, you know, come about. Like the writing is extremely, I don't want to say clever because that kind of downplays it. It's very funny, though. It's a very witty, very well written, but it's also the little thing. So I, I... This isn't a spoiler. I'll let you know because it happens in the first five minutes. But Rick, when we meet him, Ike Barinholtz's character, he is out protesting because Seth Rogen's going to be like a movie. And I'm not going to ruin what that was. Mm -hmm. But one of the signs behind him was one of the funniest things I ever saw because it was so simple. It just said, uh, (laughs) burn in hell Canadians. And it had like flames. And it's just like because they're protesting Seth Rogen. It was just a little touch to this bit. It just took it over the top for me. And that was how the movie started. And that's, I was excited for more. And the more and more things like that happened, I just kept laughing and laughing. Well, I think the the funny thing is the main character, like he's a gun for hire who is hired to prove things true or untrue. And in this yes. situation, it revolves around like a political candidate that he's brought in to, you know, prove. <laughs> and, and, the late, and the characters he meets along the way. And the characters he meets along the way. But there's just... 
Oh my gosh, it's funny. At one point, someone says, "Oh, like who hires you?" And he's like, "Well, you know, like moguls and you know CEOs." And do you remember Tanya Harding, her brother-in-law? You know, very funny little one lines that you kind of like get the feeling that this group of artists, writing, directing, and actors got together and they just like brought out the best in each other. You know, yeah. I wonder how much was scripted and unscripted. We talked a little bit about that with David today so you'll get to hear that fanatics but also like just keep in mind that david and ike are childhood friends who grew up and got to make this movie like that to me is the cherry on top and to see it and it's so funny guys we we don't want to give you any spoilers so that's why we're being a little vague about some of the moments in the movie but gosh it's hilarious and some of these characters that he meets mark Prosh is so funny when he pops up again don't want to tell you what he's doing because right. it's just it's great. If you want a good laugh, and I will be watching it again because I, I do believe, like I said, you're going to find more each time you watch. There's little things out there. There's yeah. little eggs. And absolutely, I think you're right, Claire. One of those movies that you can watch three, four, five times and always get a few new laughs out of. Yeah. So let's get into this mini-sode with David Stassen. I can't wait. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Fanatics, the mini-sode. Today, we are talking about the movie Maximum Truth, and we have David Stassen on. Hi, David. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Well, obviously, I'm amped up. I just watched the trailer. This movie is freaking hilarious oh yeah i forgot to mention jake's here too say hi jake oh hey hey david hey jake like just letting me take over this is what happens when i see something i'm really excited about and makes me laugh and is taps into like my exact sense of humor it was almost like we mind melded david wow tell me about how you came up with with maximum truth like the process and a little bit about the story for people who have not seen the trailer yet so ike baron holtz is my writing partner and uh, we, you know, it was during COVID. We we had both watched this this documentary called After Truth, and it, it's about uh, just sort of the proliferation of alternative news or alternative facts, as as some would say. I, I was just really into this documentary, and I, I thought of this idea that kind of just skewered the people who just I call them uh, like bad faith actors, right? They just they will do things mm. pretending they don't know it's wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just thought, well, what's a, what's a way to do this? What's a way to talk about the world that we're living in that's not preachy and it's just funny? And so uh, I, I, I told Ike my idea and he would play this character, this sort of slime ball who's kind of lovable and totally goofy and a little bit like Michael Scott from The Office. And uh, he was really into it. I had all the beats for this story and we wrote the script in like two weeks. Oh, wow. And that, that was the start of the process. So the the premise of the movie is, if I may, the main character is someone, he's a gun for hire yeah. who's going to come in and expose or prove the truth of a situation or a person or, you know, whatever the parameters are from the person who is hiring him. The thing that I love about the character, though, is you've left the whole narcissistic side out that we have in like the real world and you've just tapped into the funny <laughs> and it makes it so enjoyable to watch. Tell me the collaboration with the evolution of Rick Clayman. I mean, you know, a lot of that is credit to the performer that Ike is. You know, we and we, Ike and I both 
we love mockumentaries. You know, we grew up in Chicago together watching Spinal Tap and, you know, Best in Show. And we love that whole troupe of actors, you know, from um, Christopher, Christopher Guest. And, yeah. and then we're big fans of both both versions of The Office. Uh-huh. And, you know, even even Modern Family and, you know, some more, you know, TV mockumentaries that took off later. So that was kind of, we know, like that version of the, the guy who's just, he's the, the misinformed boob of every scene. And we love that trope. We also love people who are low status who think they're high status. Oh, yeah. That's such a funny contrast for human beings. And, and Ike is, you know, Ike is just, a, he's the most talented improviser there is. And so it was just like a natural fit for him to sort of be this, this slime ball. He's quick on his feet, but he says the wrong thing all the time. I feel like that's so many of Ike's characters too. So it's just so perfect that you created this character for him to play. Uh, And I'm excited also to see a lot of these other characters because you have a great cast, like Dylan O'Brien and Kieran Shipka, like she was, you know, Mad Men. Yeah. I remember her as a girl to see her. What was that like? And what was it like working with this cast? Well, part of the, you know, part of the challenge when you're writing a, a movie, you know, is going to be a low budget feature is you want to get, you want to get the best people possible, but you're on a shoestring budget. So what you do is you, you promise your friends, you know, knowing they're, you're getting their talents at such a discount. You write the movie where it's like, hey, um, Kieran and Shipka, it's one day of work. You know, hey, Mark mm-hmm. Proch from What We Do in the Shadows, one of the funniest uh-huh. guys out there. It's two and a half uh-huh. days work. Max Minghella, it's one day of work. So you 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 write it so that, you know, Ike and Dylan O'Brien are in the, the bulk of the movie. They're committed to it. You know, it's it's their vehicle. And then you get all these funny day players, you know, as we call them, to come in and be like, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be funny, but it's only eight hours of your life. Yeah. So that that's how those kind of parts team together. And. Yeah, that's kind of how you how you stuff the sausage. Craft the masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> What's it like for you to be at this point now? You know, you and Ike, you're talking about being kids, watching Spinal Tap, and now you're here writing a full feature yeah. that he stars in, that you guys write. I mean, it's it's nice that you even bring it up because I honestly, it becomes sort of background noise, right? Yeah. You become just a, a day-to-day person. Well, now I have to do this today. Now that day I have, to, I have to talk to Ike about this thing. I've talked to Ike about that thing. And we do forget sometimes that, oh my gosh, we were 16 years old making movies on, you know, my dad's camcorder in the basement of my house, you know, and, and like, you know, we talked about when we were 18 years old, moving to LA together and writing movies and uh, 20 some years later, (laughs) you know, where we're getting to do this stuff. It is rare and it's, and we're very lucky and it's cool to get to do it with, uh, you know, one of your best friends. I can only imagine. It's amazing. You mentioned improving, and, you know, seems like it would be a dream scenario for actors. How much flexibility do you give with the script in this type of scenario? A lot of flexibility, you know, because you want it to be, I was really focused as the director. I wanted it to feel like a documentary. You know, I didn't Mm -hmm. want it to feel like it was a movie where you're, you're just barely buying the premise that it's a mockumentary. So, like, I wanted it to be conversational and i wanted to like get the take where you know oh he dropped the cup or he said the wrong word or he you know he sat in the wrong seat i want and so we maybe you know you you catch someone off camera who wasn't supposed to be i wanted all that to feel like you're watching a documentary Mm -hmm. saying all that you know it starts with the script 
Uh, and so it was important to get the story. So every scene, like, you know, they have to get an approximation of the words so that the plot continues forward. Um, yeah. But I would never be like, oh, hey, you said, um, hey, that's a crazy thing to do. And really, the actress, the character says that's an insane thing to do. Like, I would never, you know, it, it has to be natural for the actor, I think, for this for this movie to work, in my opinion. No, no like, you know, Aaron Sorkin has his own version where, you know, he wants the actors to say word for word for word. And I, I think those, those those things are amazing when actors can pull off those speeches. But this was like a more of a naturalistic approach. 100%. What is the scene in the movie that people like could not keep a straight face while you guys were filming? Is there one? Mm. Well, it's, it's, it's a quick one in the trailer and we, we came, we came up with it on the day. Uh, and it's where uh, Dylan starts trying to show off to the camera, how fast he can punch. <laughs> Dylan's whole character is like this sort of like um, very fragile, masculine, macho guy. He was saying how he, I think, was going to, you know, beat someone up if they ever, you know, came up to him. And he gave like a a punching motion. And then Ike, in response, did like a very awkward karate chop. And then Dylan, Mm -hmm. feeling challenged by someone else doing something masculine, had to then start punching more to show he could punch more. And we were, I mean, just tears, like tears rolling into my COVID mask. (laughs) Everyone, the boom guy dropping the microphone to, to laugh. Like Dylan... Just holding his punch, doing his punches for so long, we were just we were just dying laughing. And there was there was a lot of days like that, but that that was the first one that came to mind. And how many days did you shoot? We shot for twelve days. Wow! Well done. Yeah, we shot for twelve days. I think about half the days we shot in one location, which is um, Rick uh, Ike's character's condominium. And that's another way you uh, you make an independent film work is you lo- you limit your location. So we were in this condo for like forty percent of the time, and uh, yeah, twelve days total. That's amazing. That's what you got to do. All right. Does Maximum Truth have a sequel out there? I mean, I know we're still watching the first one, but I mean, <laughs> it seems like it is going to lend itself. The character. One of our producers, Patrick Rosati. He is just like, this is a TV show because there's unlimited number of, of uh, clients that can right. hire Rick to go do things, right? Go go protest this. Go get this person elected. You know, go to this country and, you know, bring back this import. Like, there's a million things Rick could be hired to do. So, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I love the character. I love doing it. I love every step of it. I love writing it. I love shooting it. I love editing it. I like talking about it. I'm open. Well, to that note, one last question. Is there a scenario for hire that you had to cut from this film for the sake of the plot and the sake of the you know length of the story that you're like, dang, that would have been really good and that is going to make it in the next? I was going to say the, the one other thing that I remembered about like this, the crew could not hold it together was we had a whole morning routine for Ike's character about how he gets ready for the day. And, it, you know, it involved working out and putting on his robe after he showers and fixing his hair. And this was before Rudy Giuliani had the hair dye dripping down his head. Ike sprayed some like some cover up on his hair as the character to get ready for his day out. And he had dye running down his face, black hair dye. And we were <laughs> crying, laughing. And ultimately, you want to get to the plot of the movie. And we had to cut his, his morning beauty routine from the story. But if we had a TV show or a sequel, maybe we'd fit in this 
you know, seeing how Rick pampers himself. <laughs> well, you know, if you look at the Dexter opening credits, it's all about him making his breakfast. So, oh. like, maybe if it does go to TV, it, that can be the opening credits. I like you know? that. Okay. And then you wipe off the dye, and that's the that's the <laughs> cut to commercial. Yeah. And he walks away, and you see it's on the shoulder of his jacket. Right. <laughs> I love it. Well, David, thank you so much. Everyone, go out. Maximum Truth. It is uh, available in the theaters and on demand right now. Tell everybody where to find it, David. It's planning to start off in L.A., New York, and Chicago. And it's on iTunes and Amazon and uh, on demand on a regular cable uh, provider and probably like five other streamers that I don't know about. But I know it's iTunes and Amazon. Awesome. And where can people follow you? You can follow me at Twitter for now, uh, at David Stassen, and Instagram at David Stassen. And around Studio City. There you go, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thank you so much. Everybody go see Maximum Truth. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your Fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's we are F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Kelsey Goldberg. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. <laughs>